You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. and Sapphira, we mentioned them, they fell as members of one of the greatest churches in all of church history, the church in Jerusalem, the early church. One of the saddest verses, all the Bible, saddest verses in all the Bible is this one to me. Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Two other scriptures mentioned Demas. He was a fellow minister with the likes of the apostle Paul with the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest apostles ever. Have you ever been in a situation where you knew that you were following God's plan well, life seemed to be going great, and you felt blessed every way you turned? That's how some of the characters from the Bible felt as well. And Pastor Danny's going to share a few of them today. But their stories didn't always stay in that place of following God fully. Many of them fell. They followed temptation, and it cost them greatly. Following the Lord needs to be a daily choice, and sometimes a moment-by-moment choice. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Matthew chapter 4 with today's edition of The Living Word. Verse 8, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Now, it's a given that Satan had the right to do that. He's called the prince of this world. And he's offering Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. This is the lust of the eyes. You see something in this world. And he's saying, I'll give you everything everything. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Again, he quotes from Deuteronomy chapter six. Remember the encounter, John chapter four, with the Samaritan woman at the well and Jesus? The disciples go away to get food. They come back. They're surprised to see him talking to the Samaritan woman. Um, but they bring the food and it's obvious in the text that they're eating and they say, rabbi, master, you eat too. You, you got to be hungry too. And here's Jesus' response. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And of course, ultimately on the cross, he cried out before he breathed his last, it is finished. And all the work the father gave him to do in the ultimate work was to give his life. He finished it. Here's what's recorded in John chapter 5 that Jesus said, I do not seek my own will, but the will of the father who sent me. Listen, it was the will of the Father and the relationship that Jesus had with his heavenly Father and that love relationship that even uh, motivated him to endure the cross. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, not just once, three times. Three times he prays, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Take this cup from me, yet not my will. Yours be done. And it was 
his relationship with his father and his love for his father that, that caused him to endure the cross. He was crushed, Isaiah says. And it was the father's will, yet not my will. Yours be done. Now here's the real mind blower. In Matthew 10, 20, Jesus addressing some disciples that would be persecuted greatly, that would stand before uh, high courts of law, and he says to them, don't worry at that time about what to say. And I'll read it for you. Matthew 10, verse 20. Uh, it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. There's the real mind blower. Here's it said in John chapter 20. Uh, Mary Magdalene, who's the first uh, disciple that Jesus appeared to after the resurrection, she had uh, had seven demons and Jesus cast them out of her life. She, she becomes a follower of Jesus Christ. And he says to Mary, go to my brothers and tell them, I'm returning to my father and your father. There's the mind blower. Jesus' father is my father. My dad can beat up their dad any day of the week and twice on Sunday. John 16, Jesus said, I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. John 17, verse 11, he's praying, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me. I love what he prays later on in that same chapter, John 17, verse 24. Just listen to it. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. And I will one day, and you will if you know Christ. Blows my mind. Listen to this. You receive the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba. That's a very intimate term. Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. I'm a child of God. Galatians 4, verse 6. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. The disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. He says, well, here's a good pattern. Our Father who art in heaven, our Father. There's a general message here in 1 John that if someone has no relationship with the Father, they are not saved. They're not born again. But there's also a message for those who have a relationship with the Father, you truly are a child of God. There's the exhortation. Every age, every stage in life, don't love the world or anything in the world. The love, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his flesh, lust of his eyes, and the pride of life come not from the Father, but from the world. Let me ask you this question. Don't answer it out loud. Come on. Just think about it. How are you doing with the temptations of the world? Now, as you think about it, if there's no struggle, if there's no struggle, you got big trouble. If there's no struggle in terms of an appetite, a physical appetite uh, that's outside of the will of God, uh, and, and if there's no struggle in terms of me and that appetite, that's a problem. Because if I really have a relationship with the Father, there's a struggle between the, the sin that still dwells in the members of this body and the pull of the world, the temptation of the world. If there's no struggle, you're in big trouble. You better call out to Jesus. I really mean that. Let me ask you this. Don't answer out loud. How often do you think about heaven? I've said it, I'll say it again, and I'm not boasting. It's just the truth. It's just the truth. It's just the reality in my life. I can't remember one time in all my Christian life since I became a Christian, I can't remember one day that I haven't thought about heaven. I think about heaven every single day. And it's natural to think about heaven when you have a relationship with heaven. You see, this is not my home. It really is not my home. 
And if you know Christ, it's really not your home. We are just passing through. Let me ask you one more. Just think about it. Would you be disappointed if Jesus came today? Now, see, you're like, just like the other, the other two services, I said, don't answer out loud, and you did. <laughs> you can't help it on that one, though. But some people didn't answer out loud. Some people are going, you know what? I don't think I want him to come today. Some of us, because of the pull of the world, we've given in to, okay? But some of us just naturally, and it's just a human thing, you're thinking, well, I'm not married, and I want to get married first. For those of us who are married, let us assure you, you, you won't spend eternity going, ah, I wish I could have got married. We'd be looking at you in heaven and eternity and going, you're so lucky. You got out of the thing. You didn't even have to deal with it. Here's a practical thing from the text that, that was good for me. It was good for me. I'm going to pass it on to you. It was a good, fresh examination of my own life. My own life. And here it is. How do I balance the blessings that God has for me in this life and still heed and obey the text, don't love the world or anything in the world? How do I balance that? It's a practical challenge. Now, let me throw this one out. Listen to it carefully. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights who doesn't change like shifting shadows. That means God blesses in this life. And there's nothing wrong with that. Leave wherever you are now and go to 1 Timothy, just for a minute. 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6. When you find the chapter, go down near the end of verse 17 and listen to the practical uh, exhortation here. It's actually a command. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain but to put their hope in God who richly provides us, here's the phrase I want you to catch, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Then you read verse eight, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up for themselves, treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. A few more uh, practical questions. Am I rich in good deeds? It was a good self-examination for me. Why? Because I'm a blessed man. I'm talking about materially. I'm not rich, but listen, all of us as Americans, if, if we're Americans, if we live in America, we, listen, you know how good we have it compared to most of the rest of the world? My goodness. I live in a nice house. It's not a luxurious house, but it's a nice house. I bought a new car in 2011, and I counsel people don't buy a new car. So why did I buy a new car? We paid off the house, and I felt... Freedom and letter of the Lord, and the wife agreed, and so I bought a new car. And I'll be driving this car till Jesus comes. It's the last car I'm going to buy. This is it. I can sleep in the car if I'm having trouble at home. It's that nice. I did actually one night. That's just the truth. I did. Thank God that's over with. But here's the question. Am I rich in good deeds? You know, how do I balance the blessings of God materially in this life? Well, I want to make sure I'm rich in good deeds. Do I... Uh, am I willing to share? Am I generous? Do I invest in eternal riches? Matthew 6. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt and thieves break through and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. What are my priorities? I have a boat. It's an older boat. Repowered it a few years ago. Wrong for me to have a boat. 
I hope not. God didn't tell me in his fresh examination from this text, God didn't tell me to sell the boat. I'm very happy about that, especially tomorrow. It's a stellar forecast, and I'm planning on going catching. Now, just to correct the newcomers, I don't like fishing. Some people say, Pastor likes fishing. I don't like fishing. I like catching. I mean, we're going to have something on within seconds, or we're gone. We're moving. I don't have the patience for that. But see, look, if the boat takes priority over rich in good deeds, generous, willing to share, investing in eternal riches, either money or time. If I spend more time in the boat than I do in the word, which by the way, a few years ago, I did name the boat, rename the boat. I guess I named it the word. <laughs> True. So if you call the office and I'm not in and you get my secretary and she says, I'm sorry, he's in the word. I thought this year I'm going to add, I'm going to call it the word and prayer because of our emphasis, fresh emphasis on prayer. So now it's, I'm sorry, he's in the word and prayer. <laughs> Last summer I said, I want to be in the word more this year than ever before. <laughs> now you're laughing because I, you know, but I did name it the word. That is true. But if I spend more time in the boat, if it becomes the priority, okay, some of us have extra houses. I don't, but if you have an extra house, is there anything wrong with that? Not as long as your priorities are right. See, some people get the extra house and they spend time away in the house with the family and family's important, but don't forget the family of God. Okay? Some people won't get involved in the kingdom of God, the local church, because they're too busy enjoying the things God's blessed them with in this life. Are you with me? What are my life goals? Do they involve the kingdom of God? Or is just my mindset in this life, things in this life? Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12. Man, this ought to be sobering. Luke chapter 12, he tells them this parable beginning in verse 16. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store all my grain and my goods. And then I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Retire early. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how to be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. That's the challenge. Now, let me just pause for a minute and say, look, the challenge with the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and, and the pride of this life and the glories of this life. Here's the challenge. Daniel Henderson, uh, Reg, you remember Daniel Daniel said something. He's been here to preach a couple, few times, and uh, he said something that's like a nugget that I can't forget now, and I'm glad I can't forget it. And I don't know if he got it from somebody else. It doesn't matter. But he said, the great challenge of the Christian life, it is, it, it is so daily. It is so daily. That is the challenge. We have to be vigilant every day. I, I wish God would give us a day off from temptation. Don't you? I mean, give me a day off. But there is no day off. That's called heaven. There's no day off. Be vigilant every day. I started thinking about this, and I typed in some people from the Bible, and, and I thought about the situation they were in when they fell to the pull of this world. You think about our great-grandparents, Adam and Eve. Think about it. When they gave in to the tempter, to the devil, they were in paradise. They're in paradise. What a place to fall. You already got everything. You're in paradise. Nadab and Abihu, what position they had as sons of the great high priest Aaron, and yet they fell. 
Joshua in Jericho, when he saw uh, the, the money and the, the beautiful robe from Babylonia, and he coveted them, and he lusted with his eyes, and he took them. But think about it. A whole generation of Israelites had been longing to be where he is. Where is he? He's in the promised land. He's in the promised land. And in the promised land, he falls. Samson, you talk about a man empowered by the Spirit of God. You talk about a man empowered by God, and yet he fell in every area, failed in every area. Lust of his eyes, a woman, a romantic relationship outside of the will of God. On one occasion, going down uh, to date her, he slays a lion by the power of God. Sometime later, the lion's carcass is there, and some bees and some honey had been formed in the lion's carcass, and he reaches out and he takes some of the honey, and it was forbidden for him. That's the lust of his flesh. He gave in to. And there at his bachelor party, he tells the riddle, makes a bet with those guys, thinking, you know, he's going to win. Well, he's just full of pride, full of glorying in, hey, I'll win this bet. And let me tell you, when he fell, when he hit the wall, after those failures repeatedly for years and never got right, when he hit the wall, he hit it hard. King David, here's the record. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. But think about the stage in his life. Think about the time in his life. He's an aged saint. He's a gray-haired saint. And a string of blessings and victories for years and years and years. And one day... One day he lets his guard down. And boy, did that sin lead to awful things in his life. Uzziah, 2 Chronicles 26, you read about King Uzziah. And it says when he was younger, Zechariah would teach him the word of God. And then you keep reading, it says after he became successful, God blessed him. Sometimes one of the greatest challenges is when you're blessed. It says after he was successful, pride became his downfall. Gehazi was servant to one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. Elisha. Peter. It's interesting when Peter uh, got off and got his mind on the things of this world, uh, and it's, it's shocking. It was not long after the revelation came from heaven in regard to who Christ was. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And it was not long after that, Jesus telling his disciples he's going to the cross, and Peter takes him aside to correct him. And what does Jesus say to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. It was worldly thinking. But it was after tremendous revelation. Ananias and Sapphira, we mentioned them. They fell as members of one of the greatest churches in all of church history, the church in Jerusalem, the early church. One of the saddest verses, all the Bible. Saddest verses in all the Bible is this one to me. Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Two other scriptures mentioned Demas. He was a fellow minister with the likes of the apostle Paul with the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest apostles ever. You know what it doesn't tell us? It doesn't tell us what caused him to fall. What was it? It doesn't tell us if it was the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, or a combination of all three. And whenever God doesn't tell us, you can speculate. Because listen, it was one sin that fell under one of those categories because every sin falls under one of those categories. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. Was it a relationship out of the will of God? Could have been. Was it a job offer that he just couldn't refuse? Was it an offer to play with ZZ Top? That was my goal in life for years. I wanted to be a rock star. Too late now. What was it? Don't know what it was. But it was something in the world. 
Something in the world. Because he loved this world. How am I going to win a daily battle? Well, let me say it again. Never forget it's a daily battle. Great challenge of the Christian life. It is so daily. I wish we had a day off from temptation. It's called heaven. It's coming, but not yet. You're going to have to have the word of God. Every time Jesus was tempted, he responded with the word of God. Ephesians 6 says, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's not the long Roman sword there. It's the Greek word for the shorter sword that's used for hand-to-hand combat. Take the sword of the spirit. And through the word, it helps me keep a heavenly mindset. A lot of verses there. Romans 8, 5 uh, mentions that you can set your mind. You can set your mind. Uh, Philippians 4, 8, Paul talked about all these godly characteristics. He said, Think about these things. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. He says, I say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their God is their stomach, satisfying the fleshly appetites. Their destiny is destruction. Their mind is on earthly things. That's the problem. Colossians 3, what a great, great scripture. I'm going to take the time and read that. Colossians 3, verse 1, since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you'll also appear with him in glory. Some probably already know, need to hear it again. You've got to develop, and you've got to maintain self-control. Paul talks in 1 Corinthians 9 about uh, athletes and others who are going to strict training to win a prize. They're competing for the prize. But he says it's a prize that won't last. He says, no, I'm striving for a prize that will last forever. So I beat my body. I make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself would not become a castaway. And last but not least, let me read it again. The world and its desires pass away. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. You know, when Satan offered Jesus the kingdoms of this world, I mean, what if, what if he said that to you or to me? Hey, I'll give you the kingdoms of this world. Every, anything in this world you want, you know, you got it. Here's what Jesus said. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? You bind into something that's not going to last. Listen, buy into something, spiritually speaking, that's going to last forever. Forever and ever and ever and ever. ZZ Top, you think they've been around forever. And they've been around a long time, but listen, they're, they're old. And the glory and the fame and whatever else goes with it, not going to last. And don't forget this. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> if, you're, if you're my age now, you, you got this one. You're thinking about it because James says, what is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. I mean, every year goes faster. It just goes faster. I can't believe. I can't believe how fast it goes. Like they told me when my kids were younger, you know, you know, grow up so fast. And I was, I disagreed with that. I was wrong. I was wrong. You blink. And all of a sudden you're, where did you come from? I just, I was just changing your diaper. I love ending it this way. Come on, say this one with me. Everybody say it and think about it. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. There's what we got to look forward to. And there's the motivation. Listen, because we have a relationship with God through Jesus, and God's our Father. We really do have a Heavenly Father, and that's our home. 
where he lives. He's going to come one day and he's going to do away with this present world and make a new world. And this is what we're going to experience. Eternal pleasures forever and ever and ever and ever. We're so blessed to be able to share the Word of God with you on each new edition of The Living Word. The Living Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We're a group of believers who seek to live and love just like Jesus did. We'd like to take a moment and ask you to consider partnering with us as we continue to share the hope of salvation with the world. Pray that God would touch each listener with His love and open their hearts to the truth of His Word. We know the power of prayer, and we appreciate you doing this for us. Pastor Danny will continue his study in 1 John next time, so we hope you'll join us again. But in the meantime, we encourage you to read through 1 John on your own and ask the Lord to reveal who He is. People from every generation have struggled to understand who God is fully, but when you spend time in His Word, you begin to understand His heart. This is what the Apostle John understands and was so diligent to write about. We'd love to have you join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Fellowship as you dive into your relationship with Jesus. For service times, directions, and more, visit ccfstpete.church. That website once more is ccfstpete.church. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. Thanks for tuning in as we teach the Word to reach the world. Join Pastor Danny next time for more from 1 John right here on The Living Word.